Welcome to the Queer Body Podcast, where we are redefining the edges of identity and healing with your host, Dr. Laura Polak, a somatic healer and chiropractor. Let's join the podcast. Welcome to the Queer Body. I am super excited to have Ken Folks on our show today. Ken Folks has done many, many, many things for our community, but currently has a healing arts center in Oakland, California called the Queer Arts Center that has technology as well as performance art, as well as healing arts, as well as coding and internet. And without further ado, I will have kinfolks introduce themselves to you. Thank you so much for inviting me into the space. My honor. Yes, I am. I am kinfolks. Um, what that means for me is that I recognize that any sort of self-care will be done most effectively, um, most sustainably through a collective effort, through collective support. And Ken folks is a reminder that we are not alone. Mm. We are not intended to achieve alone. We are not intended to celebrate alone. Mm. What can I tell you other than that? I'm so happy to be sitting here on sacred land. I am now um, sitting in Huchin territory, land of the Ohlone, also known as Oakland, California, ground zero for a lot of yumminess, including our work as I would say compassion comrades um, living, living so close to the artistic center, living so close to um, the kind of cultural excellence around equity that was set forth by groups like the Black Panthers and Mm -hmm. Angela Davis Mm -hmm. and, you know, the Yellow Panthers, the Brown Panthers. So it's, it's a beautiful thing to be seated here. And then to also on top of that, have the opportunity, granted it happened two weeks before the pandemic sheltered us in place, but nonetheless to have an opportunity to finally have a brick and mortar in Oakland, California that caters directly to the artistic creative part of ourselves as a rainbow community and is also embracing, deeply embracing of our ally community. This um, black and indigenous base of creatives and wellness practitioners who lead the space are coming from a global perspective that we all deserve to be given the same opportunities to thrive. And even when people are faltering within that opportunity, we have a responsibility to each other to help that being move closer to their own personal genius, their own personal gifts. Everyone has a gift or a genius to share. So that's, that's us in a nutshell. It's a really beautiful, sweet spot located on Lakeshore Ave, right um, next to Lake Merritt. And we have a multitude of programs, events, circles, because we have a lot of healing circles. And it's not just in the space. We like to get outside. Mm-hmm. So the yumminess of being so close to Lake Merritt and the park has always been something that we've um, asserted as a real blessing. And, and that's it. That's, that's really it. I mean, it. that's it. Are you kidding right now? <laughs> <laughs> 
what what more could you do? I mean, it's really phenomenal. I, I have dreamt of having a queer healing arts center forever. And then you have a queer healing arts center that is not only just about healing arts, it's including so many pieces of healing, political, mm-hmm. the physical, the emotional, mm-hmm. the artistic, mm-hmm. And you're also including that with murals down at Mm -hmm. the park with political action. And I guess that's a great jumping off point for us, can folks. You um, talk a lot about the political being a healing art. Would you speak to what that is and how our listeners might understand how healing occurs through political action? Mm, Thank you so much for asking. I would love to just share that we all are great beings. Mm. We all are capable of achieving our greatness in our lifetime. Right. We cannot do it alone, though. Yes. I really, truly believe that we are meant to be here in service of one another, in service of the planet, in service of all life on the planet, and beyond, right? Because we are very quickly moving beyond our own scope. Mm. We, we, the political aspect of who we are is how we treat each other. That's really what political excellence looks like for me. Mm-hmm. It's around healing injustice. It's around healing inequity. So that when we are facing one another, we're facing one another in an embracing way. That we truly are asking the right questions. Like, do you still lack housing? Do you lack safe housing? Um, Do you lack, you know, the kind of basics in terms of access to healthy food? When we ask someone those questions, just from a standpoint of love, we're also seeking a political shift by asking that question. So that's where it begins, by asking the question, by caring through compassion to ask What is it that you deserve just as a gracious, loving, supportive person to ask that of another is, I think, part of who we should always strive to be. Mm -hmm. And once that question's been posed, you have become a political being. It's that simple. Yes, I super agree with that. I um, was raised in a culture with a father who... um, does work overseas. And one of the things that he always insisted upon is asking, like, just go up to the community that you are interested in working with and saying, what do you need? How can I best serve? Um, Which for overseas work, I can't even tell you how many people come over with the knight in white shining armor attitude, like that they know something that they don't. Right. Um, So I love this, just starting with asking people, hey, what is it you need? And so I'm guessing you asked the community what they needed, and and this is what they answered. Is that correct? Oh, my goodness. I'd love that you asked so plainly. And also, thank you for sharing your truth. My father is not from this country. Mm. And um, I'm first gen on my dad's side. And there are so many ways in which asking questions was how we survived. Yes right? In a yes. new country, in a new land. Mm-hmm. And um, it's, it's a real, it's a, it's a tool and a gift to be able to understand the value of that. 
So thank you for sharing that you come from that lineage. Oh, thank you for honoring that. Ashe. That's hmm. what it is. Yes. I believe that the way that this center became what it is, is a testament to everything that we're sharing around how you ask questions. I just happened to be walking past the space. I had no intention of taking on a brick and mortar. Mm-hmm. And there was a wonderful being who at the time was the proprietor of the space who thought that they knew me. Some I have a doppelganger someplace in Oakland, and I'm so grateful to them because they helped me to be able to be in that, that conversation. And um, when, when she finally realized that she didn't know me, she said, <laughs> I feel as if there's, there's something I should be asking you. Mm-hmm. Do you have a community that you work with that you could build in this space through? Like whatever your needs are, whatever, whatever your visions are, would this space serve you? And that's how it started. Amazing. And of course I said, well, yes, and we don't have the money for that. That sort of admission, that's the other part of asking the question, right? Mm -hmm. It's about having taken the time as the person who has been in a position to answer, to figure out what your needs truly are. I've been working as a creative, I would say as a, co-conspirator for compassion and love and equity to grow in so many different corners of the world in different ways that I had had time to think about what it would look like if I settled down for a hot second, because I love being a movable feast. Hmm. And so I was prepared with an answer. Had I not been prepared, maybe this wouldn't even have come to fruition. So it's not only about the person who is standing in a space of compassion and recognizing that there's a question or questions to be asked rather than thoughts to be imposed on someone Mm -hmm. that they feel could be helped. Mm -hmm. It's important for the people who are in a space of, of lack and, you know, however that might be defined because someone might be in, in uh, financial lack, and then in other realms of their lives, there, there's abundance, great abundance. So right. it would be for that individual to take the time and ask themselves from a realistic perspective, have I sourced what I can? Am I visioning something that is not just impactful for me? I think it's always important to ask, is it also impactful for others mm-hmm. in ways that are positive? So I was prepared with an answer because I had sat with so many people in various circles in different parts of the world, and we had started to vision what it could, what this could look like if such a thing ever happened. Then we immediately told the community that this was a possibility and started asking for people's dreams. We started asking people to share their own needs, their own visions. And what we started hearing from people is that we need a space, a safe space in Oakland that is clearly delineated for the LGBTQIA community that is most at risk first, not exclusively, but definitely primarily. And thinking about all of the zones of wellness, that there would be an interdisciplinary approach, an innovative approach 
to help people gain employment skills and employment, to help people um, achieve housing, safe housing, to help people identify what their needs were in terms of um, you know, food justice. If people needed um, some support in other realms of their lives, there, you know, in terms of legal dynamics that had been neglected or they just simply didn't know what resources were available. Just what would it look like if we became more responsive to those needs? And at the same time, recognizing that we're just a little baby. We just started. Yeah. Just a little kernel. Yeah. So we wanted to be realistic in terms of our scope. And that's where building these collaborations and thinking of ourselves as one part of this wonderful web or tapestry or whatever visual makes sense for people in terms of thinking about a community coming together with each separate skill set or overlapping skill sets. We reached out to other organizations. So for example, we work, we love Missy. We love Missy. Missy is an organization here in Oakland. Missy works with missing and sexually exploited youth to give them safe passage. They deserve safe passage through their childhood and through their youth so that they can achieve an adulthood that sustains them and others. And the work that they're doing has allowed us to be able to reach further than we could by ourselves. We partner with UC Berkeley. We were building out our tech program at the center. And we needed to do this quickly in our minds because at the beginning of the pandemic, as I mentioned, we were only open a couple of weeks before we had to shelter in place. We started thinking about how people needed to be able to continue to make money and that the tech world offers resource remotely for people to be able to um, create graphic art or if someone understands uh, basic coding, that they could pick up a job remotely. So we partnered with UC Berkeley and we created a a two-strand program um, and ran it as a boot camp. One is looking directly at giving people the skills to be able to use Adobe Illustrator so that they can start using graphic design as a skill set to get a job immediately. And the other leg of this was our, our coding class. So we have these two programs that we have at the center and the coding class focused on teaching people Python because that's a really good gateway um, coding app for people or language rather for people to be able to, to um, jump off to other languages from. We partner with, uh, we immediately partnered and we were fortunate to do this with a wonderful group that creates yummy food, nutritious, yummy food. And they had been serving the tech industry. And at the beginning of the pandemic, when everybody was closing in, they no longer needed them to share their food, you know, with folks working in the tech industry. So they had these contracts and they had additional food and fortunately connected with us. So we were able to give the food to our community. So we started a volunteer distribution center through through our Queer Arts Center. People could come and pick up healthy, freshly cooked meals so that if they didn't have the means to warm the food or to cook the food, that that wasn't an issue. And we also had drivers 
who would take the food to various unhoused communities, as well as communities that were at risk of not being able to eat healthy food. Right? Right. So these are examples of how very quickly we were able to have impact by working together with other organizations. So I really love this idea because one, you know, you started off by saying that we all need to support each other and come together in collective witnessing as well as conversation. And I can imagine that for some people, they're like, okay, this sounds like a social services situation as opposed to a art center. So I think it's important that we kind of pull back in why you know, our queer communities, our people of color communities need these services through an art center. Art is everything, mm-hmm. right? The mm-hmm. the art of learning how to swim in, in our mother's wombs. Um, it's, there are certain things that are innate, like there's a skill set that is born of creativity. The, the drive to live is born by creativity, to imagine, to envision that that um, isn't tangible, or maybe it's tangible somewhere else, but it isn't, it isn't in our grasp immediately. That's really all that, um, I'm saying all, but it's obviously much more immense. However, if we were to solidify art and creativity into its, its most divine, minuscule seed, it is the ability to envision. Mm-hmm. It's the ability to imagine. Mm-hmm. Oftentimes the unimaginable. Mm-hmm. And it's, it can be used as social commentary in that sense, right? Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes there are things that we're afraid to look at. And art allows us a lens to be able to do that. Oftentimes with enough cultural context that people feel comfortable witnessing and starting to interrogate whatever that is, whatever the theme is of that piece. For example, with our with our mural around the lake, we decided at the beginning of the pandemic that um, with all of the news that was coming out around police brutality and um, just the disregard or disrespect for the lives of black and brown people, especially black LGBTQIA and indigenous LGBTQIA people. Mm -hmm. We wanted to have a message that would remind people that these are lives that actually exist. So we started thinking about the identities within our own rainbow community that oftentimes don't have a voice. And we laid those out in what now is the largest street mural, I believe in the Bay Area. And when you're driving along it or on a bike or you're walking along it, you just see these gorgeous colors melding one into the other. I think that there's a, there's a part of it that teases them to question, what is it that you're looking at? And when they stand back and they see the enormity of the words, that it starts off with all, then it goes to the word black and then trans. These opportunities are made possible because people are drawn in by the artistic quality of it. Right. And the ability to walk it is so beautiful. There's something about the rhythm of walking along the art. Will you continue to describe it for our people? 
um, just because there are people who are listening to this in England or other places. So it's, what does the rest of it say? So this, this mural was picked up by several drones the day that we placed it down. So even though myself and a few other artists laid down the outline, and this came to me in a dream, like the visual for what it would look like, and these artists came into the space and we started talking about it, we needed several people to help us build this mural, Mm -hmm. to fill it in. So we had about 350 people who showed up to fill in this mural that reads all black trans, queer, non-binary, women, disabled, and imprisoned lives matter. We wanted people to take each of those identities, whether they're overlapping for some folks or not, just to, to consider that these are lives that aren't being given the spotlight and oftentimes are the most at risk and need to have some attention paid to them. Mm. So um, to have, you know, 350 community members from all walks of life and experiences and um, ethnicities and sexual orientations and ages out there with rollers, putting this down. For us, we call those public art in action. That was a public art in action. And it invites the community to envision what it would look like if we stepped back, stepped away from it being about ourselves all the time and thought about some other people and what their experiences might be. And if we just gave this a moment of valuation that is more evolved than what we're typically told we should be giving these lives, what would that look like for us? So every year, so it was uh, started in 2020, every year now we have about 300 volunteers That's what it would take, who just come and refresh it. So this year in June will be our third third, um, gathering and our second refresh of that mural. And we invite anyone who would like to come to Bellevue Ave. It's a beautiful site right on the edge of the lake at Lake Merritt and right next to the gardens to really not just lay this artwork out, but be in community. People are laughing. We have music playing. Mm-hmm. It's it's actually a it's a beautiful it's a beautiful space. Not just because of the artwork. It's a beautiful space because of the people. Great, and people can find that out on your website. Is that correct? Yes, yes. If they go to queerartcenter dot com, they'll find that. Perfect. And we use music, movement arts visual arts. Right now we have a wonderful exhibit by Derek Bell. It's a retrospective. And um, his exhibit at the center allows people to reimagine black and brown bodies that we have seen in images from the 1800s, early 1900s, of people in positions of trauma and enslavement. And instead to recognize that these are humans, these are spirits rather, who were having a human experience of atrocity. And so he elevates these pieces with gold leaf and he puts crowns on the heads of people who in um, historic pictures have welts on their back from being whipped over a hundred times. Or people who are wearing these chains that, you know, immobilize them to imagine them now 
in this way, in this form, doesn't negate the trauma that they were, that was forced upon them. What it does is it allows us to recall, this isn't a, this isn't a being who is a slave. This is a person who is a spirit, who is divine, who was in a position of enslavement. This is not a slave. Mm. There's a difference within the context of that, right? This is a human who deserved mm-hmm. to be free. Mm-hmm. So even within the lens of the art, you can see the message of love, of positivity, of um, compassion. So we try to just make sure that every aspect of the art is about bringing people into a space of equity. Because oftentimes people think that if they're helping someone who has been disenfranchised more so than they have by this the structure of this society or other societies, they believe that they are giving to someone else. In many ways, it's such a a beautiful reciprocal relationship if people can break out of that idea that they are giving Mm -hmm. because they're also receiving. Mm -hmm. Anytime that someone is creating an opportunity for justice and equity, there's a balancing that is going to help everyone involved. It's the balance that nature seeks. Naturally, nature wants balance. Nature will rock and roll in this place to create some evenness in another place. And so we just have to remember that equity helps everybody, not just the people who seem to be the most privileged or have the most access to resources, um, are the givers that people who are opening up themselves to trust, opening up themselves to share their vision, because there's a unique vision that comes from having to, um, from a state of oppression, understand everybody else's perspective in order to stay safe. It's, It's a way that we can all gain a new perspective. It's almost like listening to a, um, some of my elders in community who other people walk by and they're not paying attention because they're elders and they're not grooving and they're not up in the situation, whatever the situation might be physically. Mm-hmm. And yet they're, they're the most vibrant people in the room to me mm. because I know that sitting down next to them, helping them, giving them a plate of food. If we're at a situation where folks are going and getting their food for themselves, I always go directly to the elders with the plate of food first because I know I'm going to receive the gold. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I'm going to sit there Mm -hmm. and they're going to share some truths Mm -hmm. that have come from their experience over a lifetime, you know? And so the way that we see ourselves as helpers needs to be seen through a reciprocal lens. So when people are making donations to the center, for example, they're forming a relationship with us. They're getting as well as giving Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. vice versa. Mm-hmm. It's all a part of the web that you're describing so beautifully through this interview today in, in the way that I'm hearing you talk about it. You know, we're all interconnected and we're receiving and giving at the same time. I know that we are moving towards the end of our time together and I wondered if you, uh, the two things we didn't like dive into directly, and that's fine, is if you had anything you wanted to say about being queer, 
and or if you had anything that you wanted to share as a practice that people who maybe are not able to get out and do things because they're homebound for whatever mm-hmm. reason, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. you would say, hey, here's something that I found to be really valuable to do. So both those things, if you like, or one or the other. I love it. I love it. Thank you. So um, in terms of my identities, I am Black. I am non-binary, trans-identified. I am queer. I love and embrace the term. Um, I am woman-identified in the sense that I was assigned female at birth, and the world still sees me through this lens. And my the assumption regarding what my resources should look like are seen through the lens of my biology. Mm. And so um, I, I'm hoping that people will evolve to the point of understanding that the biology is different than the gender. Mm. The gender is my spirit. Um, I am differently abled. I have lupus. I am autistic. I didn't speak for the first five years of life. And being on the spectrum, um, all of these pieces of who I am and how I am are all melded together. One might be more prominent than another at a particular time, but they're always there. And so when I'm in the world, when people are at a distance and they see me, what they see first is the color of my skin. They don't see my queerness. My disability isn't always as apparent from a distance. Mm. And so when I speak to people about how we could be in community and help each other through compassion, I ask people to think about anti-Blackness and the pervasiveness of anti-Blackness throughout the world and how it prejudices people against dark-skinned people and Black-identified people in a way that limits my life and my ability to thrive. So... I would like to, even though my queerness is everything to me, I would like to ask people to do one simple thing. And people can do this in their homes. Renegotiate the word black and the word dark. Know that both of those words in antiquity were positive words that were used to describe fertility, as in dark earth, being fertile land, um, seen as a sign of of divinity, of um, providence, right, of good fortune. And it's only recently through color casting and through um, the push for imperialism and to try to get people to become machines to build wealth for others that the word black and the word dark became associated or synonymous with demonic energy or insipid or inferior energy. We have a campaign called the Black Flip, and it's at theblackflip.com. We're asking people if they can access the internet to go online and just read the definitions that we're asking people to stop using to define blackness. We have not launched our second leg of the campaign, which is to look at this dichotomy that's built around black versus white, good versus evil, um, inferior versus superior, because I, that's, that's not the point. Right now, the point is to help the people who are most marginalized by these definitions that create 
a, uh, a stigma that is an unnecessary stigma for us to advance as humans, just all of us. So I would ask that people listening strip their, strip the language, the words that they have in their vocabulary and their relationships with others or descriptions of things. For example, if they're going to see a comedy that has a somber aspect or maybe a, uh, there's a part of it that's a little pathological, um, please don't describe it as a black comedy or black art or please refrain from that because it's what we're teaching children as well. And we need to remove that from our vocabulary. We need to take out that anti-blackness. Thank you for being specific. Yeah, I really appreciate that. And then, you know, would you be willing to tie that in and how if I change my languaging and I strip out these anti-black words from my life, how am I receiving from that? Just because it really ties in everything we talked about. And I do think I would be receiving from that. But I'd love to hear what you have to say about that. We have this petition through the Blackfoot and almost 25,000 people in a year or so have signed it. And they leave their thoughts around how they are benefiting. And there are a lot of people who are non-Black identified who have shared that it's always been a puzzlement to them that they would use a word so negatively that also describes a group of people. That they see Blackness through a beautiful lens and yet are using words that double down on some hurtful aspects. And that it actually hurts them as a being, as an intelligent, as a thinking being, to have this irony, right? It's not even ironic, that's not the word. To have this disjoint between what they understand around uh, a group of people who have their own individualism, their own energies, their own quirks, their own truths, and to take all of that and then stuff it into this negative definition. Just, it seems so incredibly abusive to one's intelligence Mm -hmm. and abusive to the way that someone feels something or feels connection to other people. So just looking at the comments of others, because I am, I am black identified. Mm -hmm. And so I would think that for white identified or non-black identified people, it would be for them to share how they are benefiting from it. So I'm referring back to what I've seen in the comments. And that's what's been shared, that this just never has made any sense, that it's always seemed, um, like an insult to one's intelligence and one's compassion to be asked to do such a thing. Well, and as a white-bodied person, if I may add, what I think is helpful about this is that as we unanchor the colonialism in our ways of being in the world, that there's a freedom to expressing ourselves as queer people, as people um, who identify in the world in any way, when we free ourselves from the colonial bullshit, like the tags mm-hmm. of how we carry stuff in our bodies, that it's incredibly healing and freeing to be able then to express our authentic humanness. Mm-hmm. So I think mm-hmm. it's incredibly powerful to 
learn about language and learn how to free ourselves of these ways of being, regardless of what color your body you're inhabiting. Right. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Color is beautiful. All colors are beautiful. Yeah. I really appreciate that you are sharing with me how this is impacting you. And um, please definitely go to theblackflip.com. I would love your feedback on the lens that you have around how the information is impacting you. And even if you feel that there's more information that we could share on the website or information that we don't need to share, Mm. um, it's just interesting to hear multiple perspectives. Thank you. So thank you. Thank you. Um, With that, will you please give us all of the ways to get a hold of you? So if somebody would like to, one, I highly encourage people to donate to the Queer Arts Center. What they're doing is phenomenal on multiple levels. But if you would like to go attend events, if they want to learn about all of the incredible things, if there are people who would like to learn how to do coding, how do we get a hold of you through Instagram, Facebook, um, websites, all of your contacts? Uh, you're so awesome. You're so great. You, you've tried to get in touch with me through all of the ways I would say, (laughs) I would say that the simplest is to go to queerartcenter.com because it's uh, a link to the Facebook page, the LinkedIn, the Twitter, the Instagram, the, and now we're on TikTok, and, and we are blessed to have once again, a, a collective of us do this work together. And so I would say that that's, that's really the portal. I would say that that's the portal. And by starting to embrace compassion and to practice compassion through the lens of the most extreme binary and dichotomy that's created that is a falsehood, which is black mm-hmm. versus white, it allows mm-hmm. us to start breaking down some of those other falsehoods around queer versus non-queer. I'll just say that right? Um, Mm -hmm. It allows us to start embracing each other as spirits having a human experience. Beautifully said. So appreciate your knowledge. I appreciate you. Thank you for creating a conduit for people to check in, uh, to share, to eat some yumminess, some yummy thoughts together, and also to grapple with some that maybe aren't as tasteful or comfortable, because we need to be able to do it all. Yeah. And we can do it all together. Yeah. Yes. So appreciate you. So I will bid you adieu and thank you so much for your time. Thank you. Thank you for your time and thank you for creating the space. Yeah, same. Right back at you. Thank you for creating the space in Oakland for everything you do. I'm I really am in awe. Oh well come down and let's make some art together, okay? Yes. Look forward to it. All right, dear. You've been listening to The Queer Body Podcast, where we are redefining the edges of queer identity and healing. For more information about Dr. Laura Polak or our podcast, check out our website, communityholistichealth.com. Thank you for listening.